Open your Bible, if you would, to uh, Luke, the Gospel according to Luke, chapter number 15. Luke, chapter number 15. We're going to begin there, but I want to talk this morning. We're, we're starting our series, Family, a Work in Progress. Uh, and it really matters not where you are with your family. Uh, God has a plan for you. His plan is for good and not evil in your family. His plan is for good and not evil in your life. His plan is for good and not evil in your health, your finances, every area of your life. God's plan is for good. Uh, so with our family, it's the same thing. But, but sometimes we don't have a proper perspective. Or maybe we don't have a proper image. Or, or maybe we just got a bad impression along the way somehow. Have you ever gotten the wrong impression about somebody? It's happened to me more than once where uh, somebody is either having a bad day the first day that you meet them or, or maybe you find out that they're going through something and, and it's just that you come off with the wrong impression. Sometimes I worry if I don't give across the wrong, if I don't give the wrong impression out. I have a tendency to be uh, a little bit excitable, uh, believe it or not. I have a tendency to be a little bit loud, believe it or not. I have a tendency uh, to, to, to kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't have much of a halfway knob. It's either full tilt or I'm asleep. I mean, it's just kind of the, the way it is. And so sometimes I wonder if I don't give across the wrong impression. So, uh, uh, for instance, uh, if you talk to me more than about uh, five minutes or ten minutes, before it's over, we're going to loop around to the Word of God somehow, some way. Now, that's not because I'm the, the, a super Christian. That's because I'm doing my very best to train myself to keep the things that are important to me at the forefront. And sometimes I have a lot of time with people, and sometimes I don't have much time at all. So I don't know how much time I'm going to have with that person. So I'm like old Johnny Appleseed. I'm sowing seed everywhere I go. I'll give you an example. When I was about 18 or 19 years old, I really got turned on for God. Hadn't slowed down a bit since then. And it's just been a, uh, it was an amazing thing. But I had this really good friend of mine. And, and, and he, uh, he had a different uh, set of values and a different belief structure. And, and he was convinced that he was right. And I said, well, brother, I said, I just believe the Bible. That's what I believe. And he said, he said well, you can't prove to me anything out of the Bible. I said, well, I can tell you by faith that the Bible is right. And he, he, he came all and, and he got frustrated with me and he said, he went and called his dad and he talked to his dad. And, and listen, you know, you really ought to make sure that you don't take constructive criticism from anybody who's never constructed anything. I don't care if they're your daddy. I don't care if they're your mama. I don't care if they're your uncle. I don't care if it's your great grandpa. I don't care. It doesn't, doesn't make any difference. If they're bringing you poor advice and it's not based on the word of God, you throw out what they say and you stick with the word. So I'm discussing the scripture with this guy and we're, we're talking about it. And he goes and talks with his daddy. And his daddy tells him how Bible thumpers are crazy, holy rollers are crazy, that guy's just too, he's taking it too far, you know, don't talk about politics and religion and all these different things. Well, I came back and I said, well, look here, brother. I said, here's three scriptures that, that, that I, I can just tell you that what your dad says is not right. And man, he got mad. I mean, he got mad. And, and, and I saw him and he, he, he kind of watered his fist up like that. And me and this guy, we were good friends, but we were cut from the same cloth. So it was one of those things. And I'm sitting there praying, going, Lord, I don't know if I'm at the turn the other cheek level yet. <laughs> so I can't tell you what's going to happen if he hits me. I'm literally thinking this. 
And he's mad. You know, he starts getting beads of sweat rolling on his, rolling on his forehead. And he's just all tense. And, and I, I said, man, I said, you may hit me. I said, if you do, I hope I can turn another cheek. I said, but I'm just planting seed. And I look back at that moment, and I'm not like mad I did it that way, but I wonder if I didn't give across the wrong impression. You know, maybe I could have been a little bit more effective. I, I don't know. At the time, I was working with the information I had. But so many times, we get or we give the wrong impression. So what we have to do is we have to get an accurate impression of who our Lord and Savior is. We have to get a relative understanding of who He is. Because you can compare people to Him, but you cannot compare Him to people. He is incomparable. He is insurmountable. He is overwhelmingly good. If you think you have come up with how good He is, He's eight million times better than that. He's a good God. He never fails. He's defined as love. So if you ever think of a situation, you just try to figure out what would love do. That's what God would do. God is love. He is the definition of love, and love is the definition of Him. He's overwhelmingly powerful which means you can never look at a situation and think that the situation is insurmountable because God is insurmountable. A mountain means nothing to the Lord. A giant means nothing to the Lord. A sea of water means nothing to the Lord. A raging river means nothing to the Lord. So as you're focusing and you're going through life with your family, we've got to get the right impression of who He is so we can understand how to operate in our family so that we can understand what we should expect from a godly family. Now, here's the interesting thing. You can't do anything about what somebody says and does to you. But you have to be accurate and diligent to make sure of how you act and speak to others. You may be in a family where everybody's saved. And let me just say this. <laughs> that can be some of the most hostile waters you've ever been in. <laughs> because there's some things called doctrine... And, 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 you know, if you, get, if, you get, if you get so convinced that you're right and so convinced that somebody else is wrong and you decide to start telling people, it, it, it can just get, it can make for an interesting Thanksgiving meal. Let's just put it that way. But God paints a great picture of family in Luke chapter number 15. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse number 11. This is Jesus and he's telling a parable. He says, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And the father divided unto him his living. So the, the younger son wanted his inheritance. Now there could be reasons why he wanted his inheritance. Maybe he didn't like uh, what his daddy said the curfew was. Maybe he didn't like what his daddy said the rules were. Uh, maybe he wanted to just go sow his wild oats. But in those days, the way it worked, uh, typically, when it came to inheritance, is the older sibling would get uh, half again or double what everybody else would get. So it's possible that the younger sibling was looking at what he was going to get and he was jealous and coveting what the older son was going to get. So he might have began to get jealous about what he was not going to receive and he might have began to be looking at what somebody else was going to get and I can just tell you that is a recipe for disaster in your life and listen to me, it's a recipe for disaster in your family. You can look at another family that you look up to that you aspire to be like. And you can say, I want those characteristics in my household. 
You can look up to a family. You can look towards a family and say, you know what, I see some characteristics there and I'm going to make sure that I don't speak to my children that way. I'm going to make sure that I don't speak to my husband that way. I'm going to make sure I don't speak to my wife that way. You can do that, but you cannot get onto the side of the fence that begins to look at what somebody else has or the way somebody else is blessed at a certain level or whatever cliche you want to put it under, and you cannot get to the place where you begin to covet and you begin to desire what somebody else has and you begin because the next thing that follows is you'll immediately begin to think that it's unfair where you are. The fact of the matter is... God has called us all to live our life with gusto. He's called us all to run our race as if to attain a prize, meaning you shouldn't just be haphazardly living through life. But at the same time, you can't look at somebody else's life and try to determine that it's not fair that it hasn't happened to you. Because number one, you don't know what's behind the scenes in that family. Sometimes the most beautiful uh, facade has the dirtiest baseboards and crown mold and walls. We were at the movie theater for a year, and the movie theater is gorgeous. You walk in and you got these, these big, beautiful curtains. You got this huge screen. Uh, you got these sconces going down the aisles and everything's wonderful. And when you, the movies play it, you're eating the popcorn. And when you, listen, when, when it's time for the show, you got the fresh smelling popcorn. But listen to me. When the lights all go off, you got all the sticky candy. You got all the nasty gum on the floor. We used to store all of our drums and, and everything behind the curtain. You don't want to look behind the curtain at the movie theater. There's dead stuff back there. There's live stuff back there. It smells like a mixture of the dead and the living all at the same time. I walked in, and, and, and when they were showing us the place to see if we wanted to, to lease it, we walked in, and there's a big water pump laying behind the movie theater. And I thought, why do you have a water pump behind the screen at the movie theater? And they said, oh, every time it rains, it gets about a foot of water back here. I'm looking at the screen. I'm looking at the curtains. I'm looking at the beautiful lights. I'm listening to the beautiful noise. But behind the scenes, it's just nasty. So you never know what somebody's life is really like. So number one, if you're taking notes, I always encourage you to take notes. If you do it on your phone or something, that's fine. But listen, there might be something that you want to remember and you want to go back to, and the only way you're going to go back to it is to write it down and make it plain. Number one, stay in your lane. Don't try to run somebody else's race. Don't try to run somebody else's course. Don't try to do things just because somebody else did it. No, get focused on who God is. Stay in that lane and run your race with diligence. Don't worry about what Johnny's got. Don't worry about what Susie's got. Don't worry about what Billy's got. Listen to me. You don't want to look behind the curtain at Billy's house. It's a different thing when you live for God. But this brother, he was looking at what his other brother may or may not be going to get. He was looking at all these things and he couldn't get through his mind that he was so blessed right at that moment that he had to literally, uh, 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 he, he was eating with his parents, he was eating with his family, he was an heir to the whole thing that his dad had built, but he couldn't see it because he's looking at what somebody else was doing. He's looking at the grass. Have you ever seen that old cow? You know the one. I was driving by here this morning and there was a horse doing it and there was somebody parked on the side of the road like they were trying to convince the horse to quit sticking its head through the fence. The horse was out there just eating the grass on the other side of the fence and somebody stopped and they're like trying to shoo the horse on the other side of the fence. I'm like, you can't shoot that horse and get it away from that green grass. 
But the grass always looks greener on the other side of the fence. Go to Walmart, go to the store, see the magazine, see the beautiful or handsome celebrity sitting there and they've got a ring on that's about 8 million carats and they can't even carry they got a guy that grabs a wheelbarrow and he's pulling the, the, the ring for them. And it's like so-and-so, we could get married to so-and-so. I'm not prophesying any doom and gloom on any celebrities. But all I'm saying is, show me a family that's been married for 40 years, that's surprised, that has survived this thing called life, that has made it through, that has pressed through the mark, that has pressed towards the mark of the pri- for the prize, the high calling of Christ. That's who I want to celebrate. I'm not mad that they're getting married. I'm happy they're getting married. But stay in your lane. You never know what's on the other side. You never know. Moving on. The, conti- the scripture continues to say, And not many days after the younger gathered all together, he took his journey into a far country, and he wasted, everybody say wasted, wasted his substance with riotous living. So he takes all the stuff that his daddy gave him, puts it in a pile, I can picture him. Maybe he, maybe he gets a stick and a bandana and ties the bandana with a thing on the back, and he's got it on the back like Huck Finn, and he's walking down the road. And he's just thinking, I'm going to go, I'm going to conquer the world, I'm going to go experience all this stuff that I haven't been able to experience. And the Bible says that he wasted it. He wasted all of it on riotous living, basically wickedness, basically things that he knew he shouldn't have been doing, things that he knew were not good for him, they weren't good for his life, they weren't good for his future. You know, there's things you can do that are lawful, but they're not fruitful for you. Meaning we're not under the law when it comes to uh, the Lord whenever you say yes to Jesus Christ. But at the exact same time, there are so many things that are just not fruitful. And he began to get into a very, uh, very uh, uh, just riotous lifestyle. And the Bible said he wasted it all. So what I'm trying to say is it was absolutely his fault. Number two, you'll never get as far as God can take you, blaming other people. Sooner or later, you've got to take responsibility for your own actions. Sooner or later, you've got to decide that you're going to be responsible for your salvation, for your faith walk with God, and you've got to lay aside some things that have held you back. This young man was doing all kind of things that he should not be doing, and he knew it. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. He began to be in need. Isn't it that way with you and me? We get to a place and we we decide, man, it can't get any worse. And then the phone rings and it's worse. Instead of having three flat tires on the way to work, you have four flat tires on the way to work. You get everything going right and all of a sudden you find out that the transmission went out in your car, the dishwasher went out. You get a call from that family member that was going to come and visit and they're not going to come and visit. Or bless God, you get a call from that family member and they are going to come and visit. (laughs) Wherever you are, you, you think, man, it can't get anywhere. This guy, he, he spends all his money and he goes broke and then a famine breaks out. That's proof positive that God wants you blessed. Because if the devil wanted this guy beat down and busted so bad that he would tempt him that strong, then there is something tied to whenever you begin to live the abundant life that the devil hates. This young man gets to a place and famine breaks out in all the land. And the Bible says he went and joined himself to a citizen, a citizen of that country. 
And he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. This is a very powerful point. He was probably Jewish because Jesus is a Jewish God. Jesus was speaking to Jews more than likely. Definitely he was talking to his disciples. There may have been other people that heard him. But without a doubt, you do not want to be Jewish and be anywhere near a pig. There was an Israeli soldier uh, not too long ago that was reprimanded because he was eating a ham sandwich and he took a picture of it and put it on Instagram. Literally, they were wondering if they were going to court-martial this guy. You don't want to be of Hebrew descent and be around a pig. You don't want to be around a swine. So literally, this guy goes broke, famine breaks out, and now he's feeding pigs. You can't get lower than this young man has gotten. You can't get farther away from his father's house than this young man has found himself. I got a good friend of mine and he owns a very successful business and he hired one of his children at about age 21, 20 years old, 20, 21 years old and that child was given the responsibility and the task of managing uh, these 10 or 15 people. So this child, uh, child, 20, 21 is not a child, but this young person is managing these, uh, these 10 or 15 people and they're, they're, not, they're not listening. They're not doing what they say. So the, the owner of the company, the dad, he goes, into, he goes into a meeting and he says, he brings all the 10 or 15 people and, and sits there and the, the 20, 21-year-old sitting there and says, why aren't y'all listening to her? What's the problem? What's the holdup? And one of them finally, the brave one, speaks up and says, well, you know, we've been doing this a long time and she just doesn't have the experience that we have and so on and so forth. And the owner of that company looked at them and says, you better understand she's an owner here and you're not. That's who you are in God. You're an heir and a joint heir to the kingdom of God. The Bible says we will rule and reign with Christ Jesus. When the enemy comes in like a flood, your daddy God is going to lift up a standard against him and he will not let it come to your house. But it's so different when you think about it that way. This young man is an owner in a great estate. Everything is going good in his life. And now he finds himself broke hungry, uh, uh, working, feeding the pigs for somebody else in the middle of a famine. Number three, today is not forever. You may find yourself like that young man, feeding pigs, doing something that you know uh, God has something better for you. All I can say is keep on keeping on. Because before it's over, God's going to show himself strong in that moment. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Meaning, he was so hungry, he was looking at the slop the pigs were eating, wishing he could eat that. And nobody was helping him. Verse 18 says, uh, uh, verse 17, this is my favorite part. And when he came... To himself. When he came to himself. Didn't say became something else. Didn't say he thought of something else. Said when he came to himself. He said how many hired servants of my father's. Have bread enough and to spare. And I perish with hunger. The Bible says you raise a child up in the way they should go. And when they get old they will not depart from it. This kid came to the person 
to himself that his parents, his father, had talked him into being. And it happened in the middle of a pit filled with pigs when he was so hungry, he wishes he could eat what they eat. The Bible says he came to himself. You have family members right now, and they will come to themselves before it's over. Don't you second guess God's hand at work. Don't you second guess what God's doing. They will come to themselves. They will come to themselves. They will come to a reality. They will begin to remember those things spoken over them. You bomb heaven. You talk about heaven. You praise God. You do everything you can to help the Holy Spirit get an opportunity to come in there. But don't you worry. That baby is going to come to themselves before it's over. That family member, that friend... Every seed you've ever spoken into their life, every time you've ever prayed for them, every time you've ever laid your hand on their head, let me just say this too, as a family, listen, it's time dads, it's time fathers to get comfortable laying your hand on your child's head and praying for them. If you've never done it, if you've never ever done it, today's the day. Today, before you go to bed tonight, before you have dinner today, you say, no, I'm going to pray, babies. I let my kids pray all the time. But there's times when I say, no, daddy's going to pray today. I want them to hear their father's voice magnifying God, thanking God, asking God, petitioning God, going after the things of God. I want it where my voice echoes in their head where they know when daddy says it, daddy means it and he loves God. When your babies go to bed, you pray the blessings of God would overtake them. You curse sickness off of your children. You have you got more power in your household than I ever would. When some people, they come to me and say, can you pray for my babies? Can you pray? I love praying for babies. I love praying for children. But you've got more authority in that house than I could ever dream of. If you're not comfortable with it, get comfortable with it. Let me tell you how you get comfortable with it. You exercise it. You want to run a marathon? You can't go run 26.2 miles tomorrow. You got to start somewhere. You got to begin to take a step of faith. Mom... Lay hands on that baby. It doesn't have, what does lay hands on the baby mean? I mean, you just touch their head. Say, I love you. God loves you. You're the head and not the tail. You're blessed in the city. If you, if you need some, some ammunition on how to pray, get our podcast and listen to it. Uh, we always try to pray a blessing over you before we end a service. You pray the blessing of God overtake your children. You get it in them now. Listen, you got about 18 years. And then they're going to go do something. You got about 18 years to get everything you can on the inside of them. You pray the blessing of God, the favor of God. Let them hear you magnify God. Sometimes I let my kids catch me reading my Bible. I let my kids catch me praying. Now, I'm not like setting a trap for it, you know. But I want them to know Daddy's praying. How do you know it's going to work out? Because Daddy's praying. I want them to hear me praying with my wife. I want them to hear me praying with their mother. I want to hear their mother, I want them to hear their mother praying for me. You say, that's not how it is in my house. Listen to me. You determine how it is in your house. Don't let what you're, what's common in your life become the standard. You let what is attainable become the standard and you press towards the mark. This year you've got a great opportunity. Before you go to bed, let me tell you something. You'll never curse what you pray for. Never ever. You'll never curse what you pray for. You pray for your spouse. You, you start to go to bed. Listen, you're, you're both in the bed. And if you're not both in the same bed, uh, fix that, you know. But get in the same bed. Hold hands. 
and pray. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. Let me tell you something. You'll get good at it. You'll get better at it. All of a sudden, it'll start coming out of you like a river. All of a sudden, you'll, you'll sit there, and, and let me tell you what else happens. You begin to get past the, the ancillary levels of a relationship. The other day, I was fighting a, 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 just an attack on my body. So what does that mean? It means I was feeling some symptoms. That's how I call it. It's an attack on my body. It's my body. My body's bought, my body's bought and paid for. Well, maybe you just got a cold from Kroger because somebody coughed on the, the thing. I don't care where it came from. It didn't come from heaven, so I don't want it. So I'm sitting there. I'm at my parents' house. I'm sitting in the recliner. They got a recliner, y'all. Listen to this. You want to talk about blessed in the city and blessed in the field. <laughs> they got a recliner that you don't pull the lever. You punch a button. It's like, burn, And every time I get comfortable... Trinity walks over, she's like, burn, I'm like, oh. I'm trying to watch a football game. Are you comfortable, Dad? Just about, buddy. It's a sit-up chair, I just realized that. It's an exercise machine. It's not working. But I'm sitting there. My wife, she doesn't say anything, she just walks over behind me. Puts her hands on my shoulder. She said, I thank you, God, that you've healed our bodies, that healing belongs to us, that because of the stripes on Jesus' back, Brian's body is healed from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, amen. I said, amen. I didn't immediately feel better, but that's what you need your kids hearing. That's what you need your kids experiencing. That's what they need to see. If you don't have kids, listen, this works with or without kids. Get good at praying over your spouse. Come back to yourself. Come back to who God has made you to be. You're in His likeness and you're in His image. He said, I'm going to arise, go back to my father's house. I'll say to my father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm not worthy to be called your son, make me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The only thing I really want to point out was the father saw him from a long ways off. God's looking for you to take a turn in the right direction. And when you do, He will run to you, He will fall on you, He will embrace you, and He will love you like you've never imagined. Amen. So many times in our life, we get a bad impression of what God is. We start measuring how much He loves us by what we've done right or what we've done wrong. He could not love you anymore and He could not love you any less. And everybody who makes the decision to follow after Him experiences the same thing, the Father running headlong in their direction. Let me remind you of one point. The Son took His inheritance, wasted it, lived like a heathen, found Himself at the lowest of lows, and the Father still ran to Him. 
He didn't ask him, what made you leave? He didn't ask him, have you changed all your ways? No, the Father just wants you to take a step in the right direction. And when you do, you'll find him headlong after you. Came to his father when he was great way off. He saw him coming. The son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. The young man was as poor as poor could be, hadn't eaten in God knows how long, was spending his days and nights feeding pigs, was coming to apologize to his dad. His dad didn't say, let's talk about this before we get you back to the house. No, he called forth his servants and says, put a robe over my son. I don't want anybody seeing these weaknesses, stains, and shortcomings when God comes to you he forgives you and he covers all of your sin he says put a ring on my boy's finger because whenever you say yes to Jesus you now have the authorization of the family of God in those days they would take a ring and it would be how they would seal a a piece of parchment or it would be how they would seal a property they would close the parchment they would drip wax on it and they would smash their ring into it which would have the seal the family crest if you will so what what the Bible is saying is when you come to Jesus you're now authorized to utilize and access everything in the kingdom primarily the name that's above every name that can be named everybody say Jesus Jesus. one more time listen you use that name and I understand it might not be comfortable at your house right now it might not be common speak at your house right now it might not be the environment that you were raised in but if you will use the name of Jesus like that young man got that ring of authority you will begin to see levels of authority shift and manifest in your life that we only read about You begin to apply the name of Jesus to your situation. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you apply the name of Jesus to your situation. How do I do that? Well, let's see here. You got a symptom come on your body. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that I'm already healed. You got trouble with your family. You you and your wife aren't clipping uh, exactly like you want to be. When you're praying, you say, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you're working out my relationship right now. The Bible says when you use the name of Jesus, it immediately grants you access to the throne room. God hears your petitions and the Bible says when He hears, we know He answers. Use the authority you've been given. Lastly, He said He put shoes on His feet. Could you have imagined journeying in the Middle East without shoes? A long journey with no comfort, no peace, no authority. covered in all of the wickedness and riotous living that you've been doing. And the first thing your father, the representation of the Lord does, is he covers all that sin. He authorizes you. And Jesus said this. He said, I didn't come just so that you would have life, but life more abundant. I don't want my son taking one more step Without some comfort. The Bible says, have your shoes shod with the gospel, have your feet shod with the gospel of peace. God will bring peace to your household and peace 
to your family all the days of your life. Amen? Amen. Give God a hand of praise right there. I have one more just uh, basic closing I'd like to show with a little bit of an illustration. You see, all these things are great, and they're straight from the Bible, all of it. But the key is uh, sometimes we have to make some adjustments in our life. Uh, Walker Lee, come up here. You guys give my little buddy a hand. This is my son, Walker Lee, in whom I am very well pleased. I'm so proud of him. You stand right here, buddy. We're just going to play catch for a minute. Walker, uh, how old are you? He's six. Here you go, buddy. Catch the ball. Now, whoop, good job. Almost. Almost. Throw it to me. Not too hard. Don't break this wall. boy, Come back up here. All right, here it comes again. Catch it good. Very good. Come on, one more. Real good one right here. That's what I'm talking about. Now, I want you guys to notice something very interesting while we're playing catch. It doesn't matter how good or how bad I throw the ball, he still has to make an effort to catch it. If he just put his hands in his pocket, he would never catch it. If I just put my hands in my pocket, I would never catch it. If you want to play catch with God per se, you've got to receive what God's throwing. He's an incredible quarterback like me. Ha <laughs> ha. But at the same time, there is something that happens whenever you recognize that it's your responsibility to catch it as much as it was his responsibility to throw it. Luke, come up here. Quickly, brother. I want you to stand. Walker, stand right here. Luke, I want you to stand right here. Right there, brother. I want you to put your hands up like this. And then go, why MCA? Just kidding, don't do that. Stand right there. Now, Walker, I want you to catch this, okay? Here it comes. Sometimes the enemy, and if he slaps that ball for my son again, <laughs> thank you. Sometimes the enemy is going to try, come back up here, Luke. Sometimes the enemy is going to try to stop you from receiving. Walker, I want you to move a little bit. Walk that way just a little bit. Now, the enemy's still here, but sometimes you've got to move a little bit in the things of God if you want to receive what God is saying. This is 2016. You're going to have situations in your life that come up that you weren't anticipating, that you weren't expecting, and you don't want to mess with. But I'm just here to tell you, if you will press into the things of God, it doesn't matter if the enemy's standing there. Let him stand there. That's fine with me. What if he knocks it down? Knock it down. What if he knocks it down? What if he tries to steal it? What are we going to do? Come pick the ball up, baby boy. We're going to pick the thing up and we're going to run with it. And then we're going to start playing catch again. Because we're not moved by what we see. We focus on the things of God. But we've got to get to the place where we're so interested in receiving what God is throwing that we're not focusing on who's standing in our way. When it comes to the things of God, sometimes you have to do something you've never done to experience something you've never had. You guys can go back down. Thank you very much, Eagle Baby. I love you. Give him a hand, y'all. That's hard to do. In life, you're going to get opportunities. And sometimes you're going to have to take a bold step of faith. 
In life, sometimes you're going to have opportunities and it's just going to feel like, man, I just got to do the same thing over and over and over again. I'm just telling you, do it. Don't grow weary in well-doing. In due season, you're going to reap. But with God, it's always a critical factor that you've got to be willing and you've got to put in the effort in order to receive what He's throwing with your family. Just take a baby, just do this for me. Just take a baby step this week. So we're going to pray for 15 seconds. What could a 15 second prayer do? More than you could imagine. What could a 20 second, more than you could imagine. Before your kids leave for school, I dare you to just go, baby, I love you. In Jesus' name, have a great day. Let it be commonplace. Listen, it's getting more difficult out there. But the Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. With your family, it's critical that we have the right impression of who God is. He's a good God. No matter where you find yourself, He is a good God. He has good plans for you and your family. Absolutely, without a doubt. But we've got to get good at receiving what He's throwing. Let's all stand to our feet, please.